Hello, teachers. It's good to talk to you again, and um, I thank you for your prayers. After my surgery, I'm doing well, and I hope to be with you preaching um, December the 5th. But this is our Sunday school lesson for Graceway Baptist Church to be presented on December the 5th of 2021. And uh, the New City Catechism asks the question, what is the Lord's Supper? You know, if you're like me, I've been raised around this stuff. I've known about the Lord's Supper all of my life. It's a piece of bread and a little cup of juice, right? Or is it? And um, we reject, of course, the mystical, magical type things. We don't believe that the bread becomes the actual body of Christ and the uh, juice becomes the actual blood of Christ. Um, Of course not. That would be a fresh sacrifice of Christ, and the book of Hebrews says that's not going to happen. Uh, We do believe, though, that there is something special about the Lord's Supper. Now, the answer that we're given in the catechism is Christ commands all Christians to eat bread and to drink from the cup in thankful remembrance of him and his death. The Lord's Supper is a celebration of the presence of God in our midst, bringing us into communion with God and with one another, feeding and nourishing our souls. It also anticipates a day when we will eat and drink with Christ in his Father's kingdom. Uh, There are some words and phrases that kind of jump out at me. First of all, the fact that Christ commanded it We don't have any right to abstain from it or to skip it. Um, Thankful remembrance. Consider that. Thankful remembrance. More than just memory, thankful remembrance. It also um, says celebration of the presence of God. Think about why you should celebrate the presence of God. Um, Also, bringing us into communion with God. How far separated were we from God? That old song by Squire Parsons, the gulf that separated me from Christ my Lord, it was a crossing so vast I could never ford, not the exact words, but uh, from where I was to his demand it seemed so far. I cried, dear Lord, I cannot come to where you are, but he came to me. This is the moving and exciting part about the Lord's Supper. He came to us. He made it possible for us to have communion with him and with one another. The words feeding and nourishing our souls kind of jump out at me. This world will sap your soul dry. But it's through Christ that he feeds us. He enriches us. He reminds us of what the true meaning of life is and our purpose in life to bring glory to God. And also, we're going to eat and drink with Christ in his Father's kingdom. This is not all there is. The uh, global warming people think that man can destroy the earth. Boy, that's an arrogant thing to think about and say. We don't have the power to destroy the earth that God created. God is the only one who is going to do that. And he's going to create one day a new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to dwell with him forever. 
and that new heaven and that new earth. And that forever is a long, long time. You think life is long? Somebody living to be 80, 90, 100, 105? Is that a long time? Not compared to 10,000 years or a million years. And that's what we're going to do with Christ. Now, the Lord's Supper, to be clear, doesn't cause this. The Lord's Supper reminds us of what Christ has done for us. The Apostle Paul, writing about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 26, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It reminds us of several things that we're going to talk about that kind of even tie into this season of the year when we celebrate the incarnation of Christ. Incarnation means putting on a flesh. Uh, we need to be reminded, number one, the Lord's Supper reminds us of the plan of God. Paul said, I received this from the Lord. This is not a ritual that the church came up with or a pope came up with or a creative pastor came up with. This is something that the Lord himself instituted. And it's amazing to think that when we hold a piece of unleavened bread in our hands and when we hold a, a, a cup of the juice in our hands, the fruit of the vine, we are participating in something that Christians of all generations going all the way back to that Passover in Jerusalem with the disciples have participated in. In fact, Jesus himself drank and ate with them that night. That is amazing to have something that ties us back over 2,000 years. Why is that important? Because Jesus, that night that he was betrayed, was showing us and showing the disciples what the plan of God was. It wasn't a tragedy. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't a fault of government. It wasn't a bad lawyer. It wasn't anything like that. It was the plan of God. It came from God. It was instituted by God. It was carried out by God. And the sacrifice was God himself on the cross, Jesus, the God-man. In John 17, 3, the Lord Jesus praying his high priestly prayer said, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That really is what it's all about. Somebody used to have a card and it said, If you miss knowing me, you've missed very little. But if you miss knowing Christ, you've missed everything. Well, that really is true according to what Jesus said. And the Lord's Supper reminds us that we are those who know the Lord and we know him through Jesus Christ. John chapter 5 verse 39 <clears throat> ties into the fact that this was a part of the Passover feast. And the Pharisees that would cry out for, and Sadducees, 
that would cry out for Christ to be crucified. And yet at the same time, they're going to rush home and partake of the Passover because they wouldn't dare miss it because they were so righteous. And yet they were the ones who called for the crucifixion of God's true Passover lamb. Why is that important? Because the ritual of Passover pointed to Jesus Christ, as did all of the Old Testament. Jesus said in John 5, 39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness of me. So understand that the coming of Jesus, being born in the manger and in the stable, that was always the plan. Growing up in Nazareth was always the plan. That uh, death of Christ on the cross, the trial, everything like that, always was the plan that had to happen. And the Old Testament points to Jesus and points to redemption. And that's why John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He was tying together the old with the new. This is the real Lamb. The other Lamb was just a symbol. This is the real one that really takes away sin. And the New Testament shows a fulfillment. It's been said that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And when you put them both together, they begin to make sense. And you see God's plan, and it's always been his plan. Secondly, since it's Christmas, the Lord's Supper affirms the virgin birth. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. Well, what kind of bread would that be? Passover bread. What was Passover bread? Unleavened bread. And he took it and he gave thanks and then he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, we are clued in to something special about the body of Christ in Luke one thirty-five. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Okay, why does that matter? Well, leaven, yeast, represents sin many times in the Bible. So unleavened bread reminds us that the body of Christ was what? Sinless. The unleavened bread of Passover pictures the sinless Savior, the true sacrifice. You see, you have to remember that Jesus, while he was fully human and fully God, yet he did not possess a sin nature and he never sinned. He's the conqueror of sin. Now, Jesus did not have a sin nature because he had no earthly biological dad. In the book of Romans, Paul said, for in Adam all die, right? And several other references to that. The sin nature, sorry guys, it's passed on by the man, not the mom. So Jesus could have a mom making him fully human, but he had God as his father, meaning that he had no sin nature and he could die for us on the cross as the unblemished, perfect Lamb of God. When you hold that piece of unleavened bread in your hand, 
at the candlelight Lord's Supper and every time. Think about the marvelous plan for God to send his own son, who, by the way, is God in flesh, born of a virgin, sinless, so that he could die on the cross for us. All of the gospel story ties together when we put it together properly. Number three, the Lord's Supper reminds us of the reason that he came. Why was he born? Why the Christmas story? Why Bethlehem? Why stables? Why shepherds? Why mangers? Why wise men? What, what, what's the deal with all of this? <clears throat> Sometimes I hear politicians, they will say something about Jesus and they talk about him being a man of love or a man of peace. Well, that's true. But they really don't tell the whole story and they don't understand the story and they quote him like they would quote Buddha or Gandhi or somebody like that. And it's so much more than that. Jesus didn't come just to be a moral example, although he was, but that's not really why he came. He didn't come just to be a great teacher or example, even though he was. He was a great teacher and a great example, but that's not really why he came because that would do us no good had he not gone to the cross. This is all about the shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And that's why it says, in the same way he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. We have a covenant with God that he guarantees. When I was in college, we used to sing a song that said, he signed my deed with his atoning blood. He ever lives to make his promise good. Though all the host of hell march in to make a second claim, they all march out at the mention of his name. Why would that be? Because he signed my deed with his atoning blood. The covenant was made and he signed it in his own blood. He is responsible for it. He saves us and he keeps us. He pays for all of our sins and we are secure in him forever because the covenant is not in us. The covenant is in his blood, his perfect blood, his precious blood that was shed for us. Paul reminded Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.15, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of all acceptance. In other words, you need to believe it and you need to remember it. What is it, Paul? Here it is that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am foremost, or the King James Version says, of whom I am chief. When I'm talking to a lost person and they say, well, that's good, but I've been too bad to be saved, I can take them to that passage and say, got good news for you. The chief's already been saved. There's room for you. And this is why the Lord Jesus came. He was born to die. He was born to be the sacrifice for our sins. And we remember the price that he paid. His own life given, as it says in these verses, for us. And his blood brings us into a covenant relationship with a holy God. It means our sins, all of them, past, present, and future, paid for. 
means that the Holy Spirit, God himself, indwells us. It means that whenever we die, heaven is going to welcome us just as it welcomed the Lord Jesus Christ. And it means that when we sin, Jesus, even now, stands and defends us. So we take the cup and we're reminded of the blood, the precious blood, the blood that will never lose its power. And we remember that he came to die. And the idea of shed blood is a Hebrew way of saying giving up your life because Moses taught that life is in the blood and indeed it is. Number four, the Lord's Supper reminds us of future certainties. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup. Listen to this. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we're telling people that Jesus died and we're also telling them that the dead Savior is coming back. Why is he coming back? Because he was raised from the dead. This has by implication the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension and return of the Lord Jesus Christ. This world and every person that has ever lived in it is accountable to the Lord. This is why when it comes time to take the Lord's Supper, don't let your little children who have never trusted Christ, don't let them take the Lord's Supper because you feel bad. This is not about how you feel or how they feel. This is a time to proclaim Christ. This is a time where you can explain to them what it means to be saved, what the unleavened bread and what the cup means. And it plants seeds in their little hearts that God can use, right? This is what we're doing. We're preaching the gospel whenever we do this. All of us are. And we're preaching it to ourselves because that's necessary. We forget. We think too highly of ourselves. And we forget that we're depraved sinners who deserve nothing but hell except for the grace of God. And then... We also are proclaiming it to anybody who might be present. As a church body, we're proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Christ to one another. I believe this. You believe this. We believe this because we're one in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if there should happen to be lost people there, it's our time to remind them it's not about our goodness It's not about our church membership. It's not about our performance. It's about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And it also reminds us of something that is very important. Jesus said, I'm not going to drink of the fruit of the vine again until I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. There's more to this life than just this earth, more to life than just careers, more to life than money, more to life than just relationships. There's an eternity. Are you ready for eternity? And the Lord's Supper is always a reminder that we need to be ready for the coming of the Lord. And the only way to be ready for the coming of the Lord is through his death that pays for our sins in full and his resurrection that gives us victory over sin.
So notice that we're not given a frequency to observe the ritual. I mean, we could do it every service. We could do it every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday night, and there'd be nothing wrong with that. We could do it like a lot of churches do, just once a quarter, four times a year. Well, we choose to do it every other month, and our goal is to obey the Scripture, and the Scripture doesn't tell us how often to do it, just as often as you do it. So we don't want to do it so often that it becomes a meaningless, mindless ritual, but we don't want to do it um, so seldom that uh, we forget. So we try to strike a good balance there is the way we're to do it. But understand this, however often we do it, we're not to do it mindlessly. Now by that I mean we're not just supposed to do it and eat the stuff and then wash it down with a grape juice chaser or something. Uh, Think about what it represents. Think about yourself. Think about your Lord. We're also not to do it um, mindlessly in the way people say sometimes, no, nah, I'm not going tonight. It's just the Lord's Supper. Boy, that's almost blasphemous, isn't it? And furthermore, we're not supposed to skip it because we don't feel worthy because we're not. Let a man examine himself, Paul said, and then let him eat. The key there is not, have I lived a worthy life, but do I have a worthy Savior? Is the sacrifice of my Lord worthy? Then I take it because the answer, of course, is always and forever, yes, he is worthy. That's why Paul said to the Corinthians, you got to properly discern the body and the blood of Christ. What was that for? What was that for? To pay my sin debt. Therefore, when I take the Lord's Supper, it's not about me. It's about him and what he has done for me and my relationship to him based upon the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you see? And in that regard, I can look at my life and say, Lord, I've examined myself and I am indeed unworthy. And that's an opportunity for me to confess my sin, to renew my commitment to the Lord, to express my thankfulness to him and to what he has done and then to eat the bread based on his worthiness, to drink the cup based on his worthiness and be reminded of my need constantly for the gospel. And so when we do the Lord's Supper, we're affirming the plan of God, his sovereignty. We're affirming the exclusivity of salvation through Jesus' death and Jesus only. We're affirming the glory of his resurrection. He can't return unless he's resurrected. And we are affirming the certainty of his return. This is not all there is. There is a better day coming. So the conclusion is, the Lord's Supper celebrates the incarnation. That means God becoming Christ, becoming man. At Christmas time, don't celebrate the incarnation without telling the whole story. The rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say. This is why we have the Lord's Supper during the Christmas season. We want to get it right. 
and be reminded of why the baby was born, why Jesus came, all according to the wonderful, glorious, eternal plan of God. So next time when you come for the Lord's Supper, encourage your class members to come and be a part of it. Encourage those who don't feel worthy to see and to understand that they're not. That's the point. None of us are, but Christ is. And encourage people that do this all of the time to stop and to think about what they're doing and about what the elements that they are taking actually represent. And may it be done in remembrance of Christ and for his glory and his glory alone. Hey, I love you. And I thank you for taking the time to listen to this and to know what I'm thinking so that you can communicate the uh, lesson better to your class. I appreciate your prayers and I appreciate all of your diligence in this. Look forward to seeing you on Sunday and may the Lord bless you.